Hello and welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm uh, Pastor Bob McGregor Grandview here with, who are you? I'm Stan Fowler, elder at Grandview Church. And uh, Professor Emeritus at Heritage Theological Seminary, uh, which is a big reason why we do this podcast, Stan, by the way, Um, which is why I I get a lot out of these things myself. I ask questions and you provide answers and we're all better for it. So, okay, Stan... um, Last week I preached a sermon here on unity, and I brought Psalm 133, Aaron's beard, all the oil and blood dripping down, which was a beautiful thing, and then Mount Hermon uh, dripping down to uh, Zion, and this is a beautiful thing. It's a symbol of unity. Um, It was a picture. I might have taken some liberties with it, but um, I had a lot of fun with it, and I do believe that it is a picture of unity. So let's follow up on that subject. And we're in Romans chapter 14, where Paul is concerned with unity, and there's some flies in the ointment that can come that disrupt our unity. So let's, let's just see what, what is Paul telling us about, about um, unity in the church and how we can maintain it. Yeah, Bob, I told you I wanted to go there today and in, in, uh, as a follow-up to your excellent teaching about the importance of unity in the church. And, and, and it's important to remember that even in the first century apostolic church, people came to different conclusions about some things. So in Romans 14, Paul exhorts the believers there to accept one another without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, in that context, the, the two issues he mentions are vegetarianism, and special holy days. Um, some, some of them said, look, we can only eat vegetables, we can't eat meat. They might have been Jew, Jewish or Gentile believers who, who just couldn't think of meat apart from the meat sacrificed to idols in, uh, out there by others in the meat market. The other issue was observing special holy days or not. The likely Jewish believers there still thinking of the Mosaic Covenant. But, but Paul emphatically says on issues like that, where it's not like we have a biblical text that answers the question for us, it's understandable why people might come to differing conclusions. And in the, in the whole first half of the chapter, he uses the language of liberty. Let everyone be convinced in his own mind. Um, the, those with a stronger sense of liberty should not despise those with a more restrictive conscience. Those, those who just don't feel that much freedom should be careful not to judge those who recognize in a better way the full extent of their freedom. And so when he gets down to verse 13 in the middle of the chapter, it's so let's not pass judgment on one another. Let's, let's accept the fact that on some points it's okay that we, we've come to differing conclusions and for a whole lot of reasons, and we make different decisions. So can you imagine a church where godly people have convictions about different things? So I believe that it's God's will for me, uh, in that case, not to eat meat that's, that's been offered to idols. I won't eat it. It's wrong. It's wrong. And for someone else who loves God just as much, to say, God didn't tell me that. Um, I think God's okay. Yeah, that person is saying, all meat is God's meat. The earth is the Lord's and everything it contains. So 
So what, what, do you, what do you tell the person who has that liberty, who's dealing with someone who struggles with uh, your liberty? What Paul says is, don't despise that person who is weaker in faith. The weaker brother in Romans 14 is the one whose faith isn't strong enough to recognize the extent of their freedom. And, and the fact is, if I, if I recognize the full extent of my freedom on a given point, I, I, I can easily be prone to despise, to look down on the one who doesn't recognize that and to say, is he ever going to grow up? This is the one with more scruples. Yeah, the weaker one is the one with more scruples. The one who feels a, a compulsion to do something that we don't really have to do or, or feels... You can't do something that, in fact, we have the liberty. You know, sometimes do. this person with more scruples feels that you should have those scruples too. And the reason he has those scruples is because he has a higher standard of holiness. Yeah, and that, but that becomes so. So it's important to recognize the the weaker brother here in Romans fourteen is the one who's who's still developing in his faith, still learning and growing and maturing. And, and hasn't arrived yet, um, and who may be led astray if I use my freedom in a thoughtless way that, that may lead him to violate his conscience. But the person you're talking about is the person, uh, my friend Gary Friesen, in his book about decision-making and the will of God, calls the professional weaker brother. That, that's the person, you and I know such people, who are not new believers, um, they, aren't, um, they aren't really you know, mere children in their faith, but they do have some very strong opinions, and, and, and they want to impose those opinions, those conclusions on everybody else. So what's the difference between that person and the true weaker brother? Well, that person, um, I think at, at, a, at a theoretical level, recognizes the reality of freedom. But, but at a practical level, what they're really saying is, look, any right-minded, rational, Bible-believing Christian will certainly see this thing the same way I do. I mean, it's the, let's, let's you know, take an example. Um, John Piper, the well-known Christian leader, I, I think it's probably still true, does not own a TV. So... So his family grew up without a TV in the house. And, and John, John says, there, there are a number of reasons why, why I, I do that. Some mm-hmm. of it relates to the content that's on TV. Some of it is I don't want to waste my time. And, and, and yet John says, I'm not saying everybody has to adopt the same principle, come to the same conclusion. We don't all have to do without TVs. In fact, I think John admitted to watching some sporting event on a TV in Al Mohler's house in Louisville. <laughs> um, so there's a mature believer who says, for what I think are good personal reasons, I've made that choice in order to enhance my own holiness, my own godliness, my own ability to serve God well. But I'm not saying everybody has to make the same choice. Um, a, an immature believer with, with a history of watching terrible stuff on TV, you might say, wow, I'm probably, I, I probably need to get rid of TV, and, and probably everybody should. Mm-hmm. 
as an immature person, who, but as he grows and develops, he hopefully will become the John Piper who says, that's a right decision for me, but it doesn't have to be the same decision for everybody. Would you say that John Piper has a conviction about that, that for him it's wrong, uh, or is it just a matter of him saying, uh, I'm going to do this to uh, help my focus to stay on Jesus, which is a good thing? As I understand him, John is saying, I, it, it's at most a personal conviction that that's the will of God for me in, in terms of who I am and my situation. But he doesn't impose it on everyone else. And yet, I, I mean, I think in, in Romans 14, first half of the chapter, which we're talking about, the focus is on liberty. And, and so Paul's point is, when when I think about you, I need to think liberty. But when I think about me and my choices, I I don't focus on my liberty. I focus on my responsibility to act in love, and and a willingness even to to not use my liberty in in situations where using it may well lead you uh, to violate your own conscience, or it may create disharmony and a lack of peace among God's people. I, I think my experience would say the natural human tendency is to say, number one, if if you're a rational, right-minded, Bible-believing Christian, you'll agree with me. And also to say, number two, if I have liberty on this point, you can be sure I'm going to use it. And Paul turns all of that on its head and says, no. We don't all have to come to the same conclusion about every uh, disputable matter. And frankly, you're not really free unless you're free to not use your liberty. Mm -hmm. So we might have a situation, as many churches in the COVID era do, where uh, we are mandated by government, but even if we're not mandated, uh, that we need to be thinking about people whose immune systems, for instance, are weak. And mine may not be. And so we enter into a building and uh, we're, we, we want Romans 14 to work for us. We want to maintain unity. So recently uh, the issue of singing um, has surfaced. It, it may be a mute point because it looks like the government is pretty clear uh, on their prohibition. Uh, so it becomes an issue of civil disobedience. But even if there wasn't a clear mandate from government not to sing, what would sensible, loving people do, given that um, singing, even into masks, can uh, be to the detriment of some people with compromised immune systems? Well, I think the Paul's concerns would certainly lead lead us to say what to, we ought to say. Even even if I really think that we we somehow must have the freedom, maybe the Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees us this kind of freedom, and I think governments made a mistake here, and I really think we ought to sing. I I have to stop and ask. All right, but what about the awful possibility that that demanding the right mm-hmm. to act out my preference to sing may in fact create those droplets that get spread around in the room and and bring uh, disease to someone else? I 
I, I should recognize that my focus cannot be on my liberty to do what I think I really ought to do. My focus has to be on how can I act in love in a way that that meets the needs of other people and, and doesn't lead them in, into any kind of harm. I mean, in Romans 14, Paul's explicit concern is about leading a weaker brother or a sister to violate their conscience mm-hmm. uh, and, and to act in a way that, that they have liberty to do, but they don't think they have liberty to do. Or he talks about destroying the peace of, of the people of God by demanding our preference and our liberty. Which no loving person would do. Right. And that's the operative word here. Do you love or do you not love? And what loving person would do anything to needlessly cause someone to stumble or to die? Right. So even if I think we ought to somehow say to the government, we should have the freedom to do this singing with a mask on, if, if I'm acting in love, thoughtfully in love, then I think, given Paul's concerns, I, I will say... It's temporary, it's not forever, and even if I'm right, that's not the bottom line. The bottom line is not, am I right? Do I have liberty? The bottom line is, am I acting in love to to care for the needs of other people? And so, if I'm really willing to act in love, then I will be willing to say, I don't have to use my liberty all the time. So, I, as I say, Romans 14, I think, turns the natural human tendency mm-hmm. all on its head yeah. rather than saying, if you're right-minded, you should agree with me, and mm-hmm. if I have liberty, I'll use it. It says, I'll let you make a different choice. I'll let you come to a different conclusion, and I'm willing to restrict my liberty if necessary. Amen. may not be the human way. It just seems to be the Christ-like way. And it's a way that would create an incredible unity that would take would get the attention of the world, which is what we really need to be. Stan, we're out of time. Fifteen minutes has gone by, and that concludes thinking about it. So I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. And thanks for tuning in with us, and we'll see you again next time. Keep on thinking. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>